All right. I'm going to encourage you to open your Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I think there are 30 of you here this morning, so 30 of you are going to hear part of this in the next section as well. I think this is the first time ever in my 15 plus years that I've started two, served two series on the same day. Uh, and this is the first time I've ever taught through a book uh, uh, in Sunday school. Uh, and so we're starting Colossians and we're starting 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, excuse me. And it so happens that Paul wrote both letters. So you're going to hear some repeat information uh, this morning. So I thought about skipping all of it for you, but then I thought, ah, I don't want to do that because that would just be boring. Colossians chapter 1, and let's look at those first two verses this morning. Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, as we look at verse 1 here, what do we learn about Paul here in verse 1? Okay, he's an apostle. Uh, as we think about an apostle, what is an apostle? What, what, is, what is an apostle? Okay, he's a teacher. Okay, what else do we think of when we think about an apostle? Okay, he's a follower. Okay, uh, and as we think about being a follower, he's also a leader, isn't he? He's a follower of Christ, but he's a leader of others, isn't he? Okay, Steve. I was just saying he had interaction with Christ. Okay. Okay. Uh, as we read in Acts chapter 1, after Judas uh, kills himself, uh, we see them selecting another apostle. And as they select another apostle, one of the requirements is seeing Jesus, being with Jesus, uh, and, and knowing Jesus. I mean, so living and, and being there with Jesus was one of those requirements. Uh, and so as they selected somebody, that was... That was a required thing. So as we think about that, there's that knowing Jesus and being there and, and encountering Jesus. All right, what else do we know about an apostle? Well, he mentions Timothy, and he had so much love and compassion okay. for Timothy who was under him and helping him in the church after his baptism. Okay, all right. We saw we saw Timothy's work in Thessalonica, didn't we, through our study in Thessalonians. Okay, so he's a, he's a partner of Paul. He's following the will of God. Okay. And he's following the will of God. And notice it says, he's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Why is he an apostle? By the will of God. That's exactly right. Uh, as we think about his position there, as we think about this role that he's in, this is something that God has appointed him to do. And so he's a leader. Uh, he's, he's in that position of apostle, and he was put there by God. It wasn't because of who Paul was, but it was because of who God, uh, because of God's will. Now, I want you to turn over to Galatians chapter 1 for a moment. Galatians chapter 1, that's to the right in your Bible, uh, or to the left in your Bible, sorry. Galatians chapter 1, and I want you to notice verse 1 here. Uh, what Paul says here in Galatians 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, okay, so we've seen that, we've seen that before, we see that here in Colossians, right? Uh, but it says, 
not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And so this is just kind of an elaboration on the thought that Paul is an apostle by the will of God. And as he shares it here, he shares with us, hey, this is not a man appointment. This is not a man given appointment. This appointment is an appointment that is by God. Now, there are some denominations that still recognize people within the church as apostles and they'll declare them as an apostle. Uh, I think it's just a misuse of the word apostle. Uh, the word apostle means one sent. Uh, and so when they use it in that regard, it's applicable in that regard. But this apostle here is Paul is an apostle. Uh, this was that position that God had placed him in. Uh, he is the, the uh, foundation of the church, and that's the position of apostle. And that's the position uh, that Paul himself was given, and that's the position that Paul is in. So as we think about this position, oh, I see something here. Okay. Uh, as Paul was given this position, he is given authority uh, in that position. So the position of apostle is a position that is authoritative. Uh, and Paul, as an apostle, can say, thus says the Lord. And God has guided him, God has directed him to record what we have here is known as the Pauline epistles. Uh, but Paul is saying, thus says the Lord, because he's appointed to that position uh, as, a, as, a, uh, as, a, yeah, as an office as an officer in that position. That's where he is. Does that make sense? Okay, any thoughts about that? Or any questions about that? Maybe they think what Paul must be good for he's at. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean here can we hear he's still run down in the scriptures and then became a Roman citizen. Yeah. Now let's let's piggyback on what Steve is talking about there. And let's look at Acts chapter twenty two. Acts chapter 22, we see a little bit about who Paul is and what, what Paul did and what his profession was and a little bit about his background here. Acts chapter 22, and look at verse 3. Acts 22 and verse 3. Acts 22 verse 3. He says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in the city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters uh, to the brothers, and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Now, as you read that, what do we see about Paul? What do we learn about him from that? Okay, he was a persecutor of Christians. All right. What else do you see? He was a Jew. Okay, so as we think about them, as we think about him, he's he's Jewish. Uh, his name was Saul. So he's from the tribe of Benjamin, so he was probably named after King Saul. So very much a, a hereditary, much very much a, a heritage kind of mindset for him. Okay, which 
was typical of, of Jews, okay? As a Jew, he was a believer in the one true God. Okay, so Maybe as a God. Jew, he followed the one true God, and Gamaliel was a famous teacher, okay? And, and just knowing that you were a learner from Galileo, that would bring a lot of clout. Uh, that would be similar to some lawyer standing up and saying, you know what, I graduated from Harvard Law School. That's a little bit different than graduating from Medina Law School, isn't it? Okay, or Grand Canyon, or, or one of the mail-in ones, okay? Uh, that, it's great that they graduated from that, but Gamaliel is different than, than all of those others. Medina uh, Institute of the Deaf, Blind, and Mute, not the same level, okay? Okay, he was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. So when we think about the Pharisees, what do you think about? Okay. The law, someone very educated in the law, someone who followed the outward traditions of Judaism and, and others saw that in him. So he had that he has a lot of clout here, doesn't he? As a Jew. I mean, he has a lot of clout as a Jew in this position. Alright? Now let's look over to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26 uh, and verse 5. It says, They have known for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. Uh, verse 5. Verse 4 says, My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. So as you think about him being known by all the Jews, what is he, what does that mean to us? Teacher. Okay, he was a teacher, okay. He was well known. He, there's, there's other witnesses that have witnessed his lifestyle, isn't there? Uh, he, as other people come in, they can they can give testimony saying, "Hey, what he is saying is true." So, so Paul is not just talking out of one side of his mouth here. He he really is this Pharisee of Pharisees, uh, and and others would give testimony of that same thing. All right, now let's look over to Acts chapter nine. Acts chapter nine. Paul shared a little bit about this in Acts twenty-two. But Acts 9 is when it really happened. This is when it occurred. Uh, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, but Saul, and that's who Paul was before his name was changed to Paul, before he started identifying himself as Paul. Uh, for, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples to the Lord, went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Uh, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Uh, and so, 
Paul is, is sharing here, or this is the event that Paul was sharing about in Acts chapter 22, on his way to Damascus, uh, he was going to find followers of Christ there, and he was going to bring them to Jerusalem. When the persecution started in Jerusalem, the church itself was just in Jerusalem for the most part. Uh, Jewish, 100% Jewish, uh, and focused in Jerusalem. But when persecution began, they began to scatter, and they began to take the gospel in other places. So Saul, in his zealousness, and we saw how zealous he was, in his zealousness, because all of the people in Jerusalem, he arrested them, a lot of those, he saw that Damascus was a place they were fleeing to, and he says, you know what, I'm going there next. And out of his zealousness, out of his zeal, he thought he was doing this for God, and he was going to go and wipe out the church in, in Damascus as well, and bring them back to Jerusalem. So that's his mindset as he goes. And as he goes, he comes in contact with somebody. Who does he meet? Jesus Christ himself, all right? There are others that are there with him. They see the light, they don't hear the voice, but they, they see all of that, and uh, they're overwhelmed by this scene as it, as it all unfolds before them. And as Jesus speaks with them, Jesus tells him, you're persecuting me. You're persecuting me. And Paul gets up from this and he's blinded, and he has to be led by his buddies uh, to another location. Now look at verse 17 here in Acts chapter 9. Verse 17 says this. So Ananias departed. Ananias was a man that God called and told him to go and speak to uh, Saul. Uh, Ananias wasn't really excited about it at first. He thought he was going to die because he knew why Saul was there. So Ananias departed and he entered the house, laying his hands on him, on Paul, uh, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. And then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. So what happened to Saul? Saved. He was saved. He was saved. They don't just baptize him for bath time, do they? There's a profession of faith that was there, and then this public profession of faith is baptism. Uh, and so not only was Saul saved, but Saul made a pro public profession of his salvation. Okay? So as we think about Saul there, and as we see this journey that he's on, uh, it's amazing to see uh how the knowledge that he had and the wisdom that he had regarding the law, and then we see this miraculous transformation that takes place. Now, how does all of this relate, or how does all of this carry over into Paul's Christian life? Well, yeah. right, it hurts his reality. Part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay. And so he had such a love that he, I mean, he went through all these things that he went through to get to the point of where he is with the church of Colossians. Okay, so we think about his, we think about him, the, the miraculous way that he was saved, and that really did fuel him going forward, didn't it? All right. He uh, was a, a, a 
threat that he had the subscription. Okay. Uh, and it's funny as you say that, he was no longer a threat to the Christians. And at first he comes to the Christians and they're like, dude, I don't know about this. <laughs> it's a little scary. Let's wait a little while. So there was a little growth period for Saul. Uh, and then before he became and kind of took over as a missionary uh, of the church. All right. Any other thoughts? He was all in. Okay. We see his zealousness in regards to the things of Judaism. Now we see this miraculous transformation, and we see Paul zealous with that same kind of zeal for Christ. Uh, that part of his life just transferred from Judaism to Christianity, and, and the zealousness was, was there full bore still, wasn't it? And as we think about his background, we see him as he goes from church to church or from city to city planting these churches. He goes to the Jew first. His burden was for the Jews, wasn't it? Why was he so burdened for the Jews? Because he was Jewish. That's right. So that was his burden was for the Jews. Uh, and then he would go and they would reject him. And God told Ananias that he was going to be the, the uh, missionary to the Gentiles. And so Paul would go and he would speak to the Jews first and then he would reach out to the Gentiles because that was who he was there seeking to lead to Christ. Uh, and so that's what Paul did. That's what we see about the Apostle Paul. And the Spirit came upon him. So he was empowered. Sure, and sure. the Spirit put that boldness too, mm -hmm. because that's what the Spirit got. Yeah. He was rolled down all by the and we think about that with, with him being, you know, involved by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's such an amazing thing. We say, well, Paul was a super apostle. It's true, but the Holy Spirit empowered him. The same Holy Spirit that indwells us. And if we would walk in obedience and we would be used as God, as Paul was walking in obedience, we could do that as well. I remember reading an autobiography by, uh, what's that guy's name? Started the college, Moody, D.L. Moody. Uh, D.L. Moody, someone told D.L. Moody, man, what an impact people could make if they would just walk with Christ fully or fully controlled by the Holy Spirit or something like to that regard. And D.L. Moody says, that's going to be me. Did God use D.L. Moody? Because he walked in obedience. He walked in obedience. And that same God can use us in the same way as we walk in obedience. Uh, and that's what D.L. Moody did. Okay, let's, let's turn back to Colossians 1. Colossians 1. And look at verse 2. We have an idea here of, of Paul and who he is. He's, he's writing this letter. We see the transformation that's taken place in him. We see this position of authority that he's been giving as he, as he writes this letter. But look at verse 2 here. He writes in verse 2, To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. So who is Paul writing this letter to? Okay, the faithful brothers in Colossae, the saints that are in Colossae. Uh, and so as we think about that, these are believers that are in Colossae. And so Paul is writing this to the, to the believers who are in Colossae, and he calls them saints, we oftentimes think about saints as someone, and I know you have to be dead for five years before you can be classified as a saint, but Paul is writing to these young believers, and he said, you guys are saints. 
Uh, and when we come to know Christ, when we are sanctified, when we are set apart for Christ, we become saints. It's at that moment that we're born again that we arrive at sainthood. So from now on, uh, I'll be Saint Lemon. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but but that's that's what this is, and I mean this is how how Paul identifies the church in Colossae as as saints uh, as saints. Now, what do we know about Colossae? As we think a little bit about Colossae, uh, what are some things that you know about Colossae? They Paul ever visited Colossae. Okay, all right. That's a great point. We'll look at that in a second. All right. What else do we know about Colossae in the city? Gentile region, right? Made up of Gentiles. All right. They were stooped in idol worship. Uh, it is not too far from Ephesus, and so there's a major trade route that goes through Ephesus, that goes through Colossae. So as we think about that trade route, there's a lot of, of people, a lot of traffic that comes through that, kind of a transient community in regards to people transitioning and trans going through there uh, and moving through there. So Colossae was that kind of uh, that kind of city, that trade route city where they had a lot of people uh, coming through through there. Uh, and so Gentile region, Gentile city, and, and, and a church is planted there. Now, Steve mentioned that Paul had never been there. Let's look at Colossians 1, uh, verse 7. Colossians 1, verse 7. Colossians 1, uh, verse 7 says this. Uh, Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Uh, verse, verse 3 says, we always, give, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the days you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras. So Epaphras is probably the one who took the gospel to Colossae. Epaphras was probably there in Ephesus and heard the gospel in Ephesus, got saved in Ephesus, and then Epaphras went to Colossae uh, and shared the gospel in Colossae. Uh, look over to uh, Colossians 2, verse 1, and notice what Paul says in Colossians 2, uh, verse 1. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, another city that was pretty close to Colossae, and for all who have not seen my face. So Paul had not been to Colossae. Uh, Paul heard of things that were going on in Colossae. And as we dive into this, we'll see this book is just full of doctrinal truths uh, that the church of Colossae was facing and, and dealing with. Uh, but Paul had never been there. This was a church plant by someone else. And he's writing this letter and challenging them and encouraging them to grow in their walk. Uh, and, and so that is what we see here in the, the letter to Colossae. And that's what we have going on here. Okay, 
Now, as we think about Paul and as we think about the writing of this letter, uh, look over to Colossians 4, uh, verse 18. Colossians 4, verse 18. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. What does that mean, remember my chains? He was in jail. He was in prison. He was writing this in prison. Uh, and so he heard this. And, and why was he in prison? Was this the income tax ordeal? Because he was a proclamer of Christ. Okay, because he was preaching Christ. And he was arrested because he was preaching Christ. Wouldn't that be a great time to quit? I mean, just wear your orange suit, crush rocks, just go about life. Make some license plates. Uh, you know, chariots had license plates too. Uh, why not just do that? But Paul, what was Paul's purpose? What was Paul's mission? Proclaim Christ. Proclaim Christ. That's what he did. And so he heard of all of this that was going in and on in Colossae, heard of the dangers that was there. Epaphroditus was there. Uh, and he wrote this letter to the church of Colossae to help strengthen them, to help encourage them in their walk so that the work would continue. All right? Now I've got one more place. And this is Colossians 1.18. Colossians 1.18. Uh, many people identify this as the theme of the book of Colossians. And I want us to, to think about this passage, and I want us to think about this verse, uh, especially as we move forward in our study. Uh, hopefully this will be a verse and be a passage that's something in our hearts. But uh, look at Colossians 1 verse 18. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. When Darcy and I were going to Bible school in LaGrange, Wyoming, we attended a church there, LaGrange Bible Church. And across the front in the sanctuary, they had a cross, uh, that's, that's in second uh, hesitations, three, seven, must have a cross at the front. Uh, so he had a cross, but then beside the cross, or on both sides of the cross, it said, in all things that he might be preeminent. In all things that he might be preeminent. What does it mean to be preeminent? First. First. That in all things he might be first. That in all things he might be above all. That is the theme of this, of this book. Is that in all things that he might be first. And as we think about the book of Colossians, uh, it is the thought of the supremacy of Christ. And as we move through this book, we're going to be reminded again and again of the supremacy of Christ. That in all things he might be preeminent. Uh, and so I'm excited that we're going to go through this book. I'm excited for what God has in store for us. Uh, there's four chapters here. So I encourage you, and I double dog dare you this week, read the book of Colossians. Okay? Four chapters. Let's see, there's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you got six days. I mean, it's even part of a day to day, isn't there? Uh, so in those seven days, try to find some time to read those four verses. Uh, I read somewhere that it, it takes like 13 minutes to read it out loud from cover to cover. So instead of scrolling MySpace today, uh, take those take those 12 minutes and read those four chapters sometime today. All right. Let's have a word of prayer.